day. It is so good uh, to see all of these activities that are starting to, to happen around the church. Great breakfast yesterday, as Anthony mentioned. Um, the, re re the youth retreat coming on up, as Anthony mentioned. Make sure that if you want to help contribute to that fund, you just go in, and as he said. Uh, and for the men's bowling outing, what you want to know about that is after the service, if you're a man here and you're saying, hey, I want to go, I want to sign up for this, see Julian. Julian, can you raise your hand? See Julian. He uh, heads our CR ministry and also is the one that's kind of helping spearhead this event. So see him. Get signed up. Uh, we need to know how many lanes we're going to have to have reserved. Amen? Praise God. Well, we are concluding the series today that we began about five, six weeks ago that is titled, Let's Talk About. I hope that this series has been a blessing to you. I know it's been a blessing for me to preach through it. We've covered areas such as depression and sadness. We've covered, uh, that was last week, we've covered anxiety. We've covered emotional uh, state of mind. We've covered um, anger. Uh, lots of things that emotions that we kind of struggle with, right? I think all of those things that I just mentioned to you, you guys can say, hey, I, I just dealt with that this morning. Or I've been dealing with this, I've been struggling with that. And some of us sometimes are afraid to kind of share that with others because what, what are they going to think of me at the church that I'm struggling with anxiety? What are they going to think about me if they know that I'm struggling with, with anger? And one thing that we've tried to teach you today as we're saying let's talk about is that sometimes these emotions necessarily are not sin. What makes it sinful is what we do with those emotions. And so this, uh, this Sunday today, we're going to be talking about conflict. We're going to be talking about conflict. How many people have or have had conflict in their life? All right. What I've been trying to do is take these topics and directly link them to Jesus to show us how the one who had no sin yet walked this earth handled these topics. Because he was involved with all of them. Jesus had anger. Jesus dealt with, 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 with anxiety. Jesus dealt with all of these topics. And so I want to talk to you today not just about conflict, but what I want to talk to you about is Jesus' plan for resolving conflict. So for those of you who raised your hand uh, on having conflict or having had conflict or, hey, you're about to have some conflict, I want you to really pay attention. This is, listen, this is a very simple message today. Very simple, might be pretty quick. Sometimes those most simple messages are the best, right? The United States, I was looking, I tried to look for articles or, or you know, some type of stats to back up whatever we're talking about. I found one. It's a little older, so the numbers are a lot higher. But the United States has more lawyers per capita than any country in the world. More lawyers. In 2005, again, these numbers are higher now, there were 799,960 licensed lawyers in the United States of America, meaning that there was one lawyer for every 320 people. That's 2005. Imagine now. And obviously, all these lawyers, they, got, they, they need something to do. Right? They need something to do. And so as a result, the United States 
also leave the world in lawsuits. We've all heard the story of uh, Stella Liebeck, right? If you don't remember who that was, she's the one that sued McDonald's in 1992. And if you don't know why she sued McDonald's in 1992, she sued McDonald's in 1992 for spilling a cup of coffee on her own lap. She spilled a cup of coffee on her own lap, and, and she sued them because the coffee was too hot. And so Stella was awarded $2.9 million in damages by a New Mexico jury. And ever since that, McDonald's has had to warn people that their coffee is hot. Now, listen, this is not to bash lawyers. Hey, that's a profession. We need lawyers. There's sometimes certain situations in which we encounter that we need this help. We need this representation, right? But we have to ask ourselves the question. We have to be able to ask ourselves the question, is there a better way to resolve conflict? Is there a better way to resolve conflict? Because we see all over the world, we see all over the news, the, the, the countless different ways in which people resolve conflict. Some result to, 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 um, to harming each other, to crimes. Some result to uh, going on ahead and just making situations worse than they ought to be. People handle conflict in many different ways. In this case, in the introduction in which I bring, is there a different way we can handle conflict without taking someone to court? For those of us that follow Christ, how is it that we respond to our brothers and sisters when we are wronged? Is there a different way for us to handle conflict than just never speaking to each other again? Is there a different way to handle conflict than just leaving the church and never returning? Is there a different way to handle conflict is what we're going to be talking about today. In today's message, we're going to focus on the external symptoms. What do we learn from Jesus about how it is that we can resolve conflict, particularly, I'm going to focus today, between believers? We're going to look at two passages of Jesus' teaching. And I want to go on ahead and I want to read both of them to you. And then we're going to go on ahead and take some time and make some observations about conflict resolution based on these passages. So before we jump on, well, actually, let me help you for those that, that, that are using your Bibles, open it up to Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. If you don't have your Bibles with you, we've got some here for you, or we will have them up on the screen. But while you guys are turning uh, and opening up your Bibles to the Matthew, let's bow our heads really quick. And let's pray. Father God, I come before you and I thank you for this opportunity in which you have given me, Father God, to give your word to your church this morning, Lord. I pray, Father God, Lord, that you would open up their ears to listen to what it is that you have for them. I pray, Lord, that you would open up their eyes so that they can see what it is that you are showing them. I pray, Lord, that you would soften their hearts to receive your word as seeds, Father God, are sown into the ground, God. I pray, Lord, that you would take all distractions and put them to the side. And, Lord, that we will learn today the biblical way in which you have taught us to resolve conflict. All of this we pray 
in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and the church of God says, amen. 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 Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. This is what Jesus says. We're going to go from 23 to 25. It says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift. Everyone say, leave your gift. There in front of the altar, first go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Verse 25, settle matters quickly. Everyone say quickly. With your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary might may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. This is some real good practical stuff Jesus is teaching us. If you have your Bibles open, keep your thumb or put something there. Now turn with me a couple passages before to Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 says this. If your brother or sister sins, go and point their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. What I'm going to do today is I'm going to kind of show you some areas in which Jesus gives us clear instructions on how it is to handle uh, conflict. Jesus' advice about conflict resolution in these passages, they can be boiled down to four very simple principles. Four very simple principles that, listen, I am convinced, check this out, I am convinced that would, if you could apply these principles that I'm about to point out to you, I didn't create them, Jesus shows us them, but I'm going to point them out to you. If you could take these four principles and apply them to your life, I believe that 99% of the conflicts that you are experiencing or are going to experience with people will be resolved. They're so short and simple that we can say them out loudly. I want you, to guys, I want you guys to repeat after me, all right? Ready? This, these are the four principles that we apply, if we apply 99% of the time, we're going to avoid conflict. Number one is quickly. Everyone say quickly. Face-to-face. One-on-one. Get help. Let's say it again. Ready? You guys sounded so good. Quickly. Face-to-face. One-on-one. Get help. Great job by the team. Good job, Pat. First thing we see that I want to dissect with you. When you are finding yourself in the midst of conflict, what is it? What's the first principle that Jesus, that we can learn from his example here in the word to handle that conflict? When we're going to, we, first of all, we have to resolve it, right? You have to resolve the conflict. There are far too many people walking the face of this earth today with unresolved conflicts. And what has happened is that unresolved conflict has began to grow roots deep inside your heart. And now, believe it or not, you are kind of enslaved to that. You can't grow. You can't progress in life. People, family members are are receiving really the negativity of you because you are so stuck 
on these conflicts that have yet to be resolved. And so we need to resolve them. And Jesus shows us how to resolve them. The first thing that he tells us when it comes to resolving our conflicts is do it quickly. Do it quickly. The moment something happens that upsets you, the moment you are offended by someone, the moment someone says something that you didn't like, the moment someone looked at you in a way that you did not appreciate, you need to handle it immediately. Immediately. Do it quickly, is what Jesus tells us. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus warned that a believer, do you guys remember? He, he, he warned that a believer who harbored anger against a brother or against a sister was just as guilty in God's eyes as a what? A murderer. Since that's how God sees your anger, then answer yourself this question. How important is it to get rid of it quickly? How important is it to get rid of it quickly? And I know that it's hard for a lot of people. It's hard. I know it. I understand it. It's difficult when someone has wronged you to, to, to be able to hear me say, deal with it quickly. You have a right to be angry, don't you, sometimes? Sometimes, man, Pastor, if you just know what this person did to me, of course I should be angry. There are those of us, though, who have held on to the anger and the resentment for so long that literally, catch this, some of us have hung on to this resentment and anger for so long that we do not know who we would be or what we would talk about if we didn't have that hurt to define us. I also realize that there are some of you with some very painful backgrounds. If you really sit with me and you tell me everything, that how you've been wrong. Man, I, I'm sure that my heart would break. And so because of that, I don't want to minimize your pain. I don't want to minimize the pain that you have experienced in maybe some abusive relationships. But the reality is this, that what Jesus calls for, for in this passage, it is not easy. It is not easy because if it was easy, no one be, would be walking around with any conflict in their heart. If it was easy to handle these situations when they arise, everyone would be great. But it's difficult. And the reality is, some of, these, some of these hurts in our hearts that we have because of the conflict that we have had with others, because maybe what others have done to us, the reality is that some of us need professional help to start walking through that. And I'm here to tell you, it's okay. If your brothers and sisters in Christ can't help you, if I can't help you as a pastor, there's professionals who have the education to help you process these things. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But back to the passage, Jesus is clear. Jesus is, is clear that conflict needs to be handled quickly. And in verses 23 to 24, he even implies that settling conflict is even more important than worship. Did you guys catch that when I read that? It's even more. Resolving conflict in your heart is even more important than coming to church on a Sunday morning. I'll just use that as an example because worship is more than that. But on a Sunday morning to worship God, to lift up your hands, 
and to praise him. Man, if you got conflict in your heart, I want to talk to you. Because here we see that even to the point that if you are in the middle of a worship service and you remember that your brother has something against you or you have something against your brother, while you're in the middle of that worship service that needs to be reconciled, then listen, the reality is you need to go on ahead and handle that before you even begin to worship God. And some of us are looking, man, I've got, I've got all, this, all, this, all these bullet points in my heart of stuff that I need to fix with people. Could it be that if you have unresolved conflict in your heart that God won't even accept your worship? Think about that. Let's be real. Let's, 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 let's dissect the word for what it says. Could it be that if you have unresolved issues and conflict in your heart right now, that while you were here this morning praising and worshiping God, that it might be a waste of time? Until we go on ahead and we make things right with our brothers and sisters? If we're reading the passage for what it says, that's what the passage seems to be saying. And passages such as 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, which back it up, it says this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a what? Liar. For anyone who hates his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, who he has not seen. If this stings a little bit, it's good. Because our eyes need to be open. If there's anything unresolved that you have in your heart against someone, God wants you. He loves you so much that he wants all of your heart. But as long as you have some bitterness in your heart because of unresolved conflict, he knows he can't get 100% of you. So he wants you to deal with those issues first. When you have an issue with another believer, deal with it quickly, church. Deal with it quickly. It is not the easiest thing to do. But when you do it, man, you feel like there's a, there's a relief off. There was one time, this was years ago, years and years ago, I, I was a part of, of another church, and, and, and there they, they had come a moment where there was some conflict. There were some things that, that weren't happening right, and, you know, I voiced my opinion on what the Word of God says, and I just said, listen, this is just not in sync with the Word, and I, I had to take my family, and we had to transition out of that church, but something that always got me was even though that the, the transition was, was in respect, Something that always got me is I felt like there was still closure that needed to happen between me and, 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 and that other person. And I remember just I'm, I'm, I'm worshiping God. I'm doing all these things. I'm praying to the Lord. I remember being on my knees praying and, and just worshiping God. I kid you not, every single time I would pray and start worshiping God, God would bring that person to my mind. Every single time I was doing anything for the Lord, anytime I'm praying, God, use me the way you want to use me. How many of us have said that? Do with me what you want to do with me. I want to be your servant. I want to be your son. I want to do what you want me to do. God would bring that person up. You know what God was telling me? You've got some unresolved conflict that needs to be resolved. 
even, even though it, it, it was nothing so, so bad, but I still felt like I had to kind of make it right. I had to make that departure, that transition smoother. And I remember telling my wife, man, I got, I, God just keeps bringing her up. I better be careful because now I'm, I'm starting to say what it was. Now then I'll say a name. But God, I, I, I would say, I, I just, I have to, I have to make this right. And even she would have told me, but you didn't do anything wrong. But I feel like there's something that is off. Why? Because maybe that person, maybe you don't feel like what happened is an issue, but that person has some hurt. Okay? Maybe, maybe, maybe you say, oh, it was just a discussion and we went our own ways. No, but you don't know how that person took it. And yes, it's on their part too. They should come. It works, you know. It works both ways. But sometimes they're struggling with reaching out to you too. And I remember one day the person was about to go. They were about to move to a different uh, uh, state. And I just said, I gotta do this. I, I picked up the phone. I made the phone call, and we talked. And I just felt, even though the person says, "Hey, I had nothing. There's nothing against you. I love you, and all this type of stuff." But you know how how freed I felt. I felt like a little kid when I hung up the phone, like I could jump up and down because all that weight was released, released from me. And so that's why we mentioned this, that whenever, because I dealt with this for probably about a year and a half, two years of feeling this weight. It was like I was, I was praying and worshiping God, but I felt like it would, it would, it would like get interrupted because God kept reminding me, you got to deal with this. And so don't let it go for a year. Don't let it go for a year and a half. Some of you have unresolved conflict that you haven't dealt with for a while. It's not too late to be free from that. Handle it. For anything that's going to happen in the future, something happens, take care of it quickly. Amen? How quick? How quick is quick? Some of you might be saying. Because some of you guys really are trying to be procrastinators. How quick is quick? Well, if we go according to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, it says, it says not to let the sun go down on your anger. So how quick is quick? If we want to take it to that point, well, the sun's only up for a certain amount of hours a day, right? We hear this a lot in, 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 in couples counseling, right? Or when I'm about to marry somebody, I sit down with them and I say, hey, try to make this a principle in your life. Never be so upset that you go to sleep upset, right? So based on this, if you've been offended, Handle it before the day's over. Because we have an adversary named Satan who loves to take every little thing that happens, twist it up, and make it worse. So you got to stop it right away. Right away. You know, it's not like we can say, uh, you, know, you know, I just need a couple more hours to do this or a couple more hours of work. or I need a couple more hours to enjoy or to water my lawn or to do the landscaping. Hey, so son, can you please give me another five hours before you go down? the same way here. We can't say, well, maybe I'll, I'll address it tomorrow. Maybe I'll, I'll address it next week. Maybe I'll address it next month. Maybe I'll wait for us to be in the perfect situation where I can bring it up. No, because the sun is going to come down when the sun is going to come down. So make it quickly. Amen? So the first way in which we see a principle to apply in our lives that Jesus teaches us on how to resolve conflict quickly is to deal with it quickly, all right? The second thing that we see that Jesus shows us when it comes to resolving quick uh, um, a conflict 
that if we can apply this principle in our lives, we will resolve 99% of our conflict is handle it face-to-face. Please handle it face-to-face. If I would have given this sermon 50 years ago, that would not even be on here because all we did was do things face-to-face. It says this in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, if your brothers or sisters sin, go and point out their faults between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. If you notice, I said face-to-face. I did not say Facebook-to-Facebook. It just shows you where we are as a society, where we got to be mentioning social media almost in every sermon. Face-to-face communication gets harder and harder every single day. Every single day. There are businesses right now that are preferring to, to interact with their customers via text message to schedule all types of things as opposed to doing it face-to-face. Our society is moving further and further away from the face-to-face communication, which at one point used to be the only option. Then came the invention of handwriting, so some of you could write a letter to someone. Remember that? Remember going into the mailbox and uh, finding letters from family members that were from out of state? I remember that. I had some cousins that would write me, and my, mo- my, my mom would say, hey, you got a letter from your cousin. Wow, you know? Now you could just FaceTime. Then after that came the telephone, followed by email, then texting. Now the reality is if you're mad at someone, you can just tweet about it, and the whole world knows. (laughs) They don't even know. The reality is sometimes in this society, when you're mad at somebody, your whole group of 200 followers or whatever it is you have on your social media platform Know the conflict before the person in which is in that conflict. Hey, did you see what this person said about you? No, what happened? Look at it. Everybody's liked it and shared it. But the reality is this is not the way that Jesus taught. It's not the way that Jesus taught. There is value, church. There is value in face-to-face confrontation. It is very hard It is very, very hard to communicate emotion in an email or a text. So it's very easy to misunderstand someone. Have you ever, I'm going to go away for a little bit, have you ever received a message, an email or text message from someone, and like, oh, no, look at at the attitude this person's giving me. They said, I can't go to church today, so I need you to serve for me. Let me take a look at this. Let me read it. Let me see if that's what they say. Can't make it to church today. I need you to serve for me. Oh, I didn't hear that. Serve for me. Like you heard it. All caps. And you're mad and you're upset. Could you believe the audacity on how this person communicated with me? Could you believe that attitude? It happens all the time. You can read an email and you can be fired up and ready to go on ahead and go to battle because the email they sent. And then you have someone else read it. Oh, this, what if they message like, I can't go to church today. Can you serve for me? You got to be very, very careful with how we perceive things. And because everything can be lost in translation, man, try your best 
face-to-face, at the very least, pick up the phone and talk to them. I remember when I first started pastoring, um, one advice that I got from one of my elders um, was, you know, because we would talk and share and, and all this type of stuff, and he says, listen, you're, there's going to be times where you're probably going to get some emails from someone from the congregation that is kind of going to kind of, you know, really, you know, start working up your blood, or someone's not going to agree, or someone's going to say something. My advice to you, Pastor Lewis, is this. I said, okay, don't respond to it right away. Give it some time before you respond to it, because then you're going to go. And he was right. It was great, great advice. But handle things, I say all that stuff, but handle things face-to-face. If you can't, pick up a phone. Pick up a phone. Because while firing off an angry email or text message gives you a chance to vent, right? It gives you a chance to let some things off of your chest. It doesn't do anything good for the other person. And then now you, you, you send a simple text message, and now there's some conflict between you and that person. And you might not even know it. The third thing that we see that Jesus shows us, if we can gather this principle, not only is to handle things quickly, not only to handle it face-to-face, but also to handle them one-on-one. Some of you might be saying, well, one-on-one, face-to-face. No, one-on-one, like don't, nobody else in there, but you and the person. Pay attention to the second part of Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Jesus says, just between the two of you is what he says. Just between the two of you. I'll give you more context. Let me read the whole thing here. It says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Now, right away, by me saying that, I've just identified a sin that you have probably dealt with for years. Some of you are saying, what is that? Ask yourself this question. Have you ever talked about someone before you talked to someone? Have you ever talked about someone before you talked to someone? You you know what I'm trying to say. Have you ever kind of started talking about that person you have conflict with your group of friends or with your family members before you have even brought that topic up with the person who has offended you or whatever the case may be? Let's have some mutual accountability here, right? Come on, you know, we all have done this at one point or another. Because sometimes our blood gets boiling. We just got to vent. A tip, and I don't got this in my notes, a tip. If somebody comes to you and starts venting about someone else, stop them immediately. Do not entertain the conversation. And if there's anything critical that is being said about someone else, and that person's telling you, stop them immediately, because if you don't stop them, guess what? You are just as guilty. Say, hey, have you talked to this person about that? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 I just wanted to vent. No, 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 no. Before you vent, go to them and talk to them about it. Simple. But we have to cut things off right away, because then what happens is you become an enabler. And now that person says, feels every time they got a vent, they know who to go to. And you're just listening, listening, listening. The reality is you might like it. We call that, in the Puerto Ricans call it bonchinche, you know? 
you might like that gossip. You got to cut that off as well, because if not, both of you guys are just as bad. In reality, and to make things worse, sometimes, you know, we could even really spiritualize it. You, maybe you've even made prayer requests to God. You're in your small group, and the small group leader says, hey, any prayer requests? Oh, yeah, I would, like you to, I, w- I would like you to pray, but not really for me. I want you to pray for that Juanita, because that Juanita is really acting like an idiot right now. I need you to pray for this person, because I need you to pray for that person, because right now, that person really isn't being too faithful with their wife, from what I heard. But I need you to pray. Let's pray for them. That's just as bad. We're just spiritualizing it. No matter how we dress it up or spiritualize it, it is wrong to talk about someone before you have talked to that someone. Period. There's only one exception to that rule, though. You want to know what that is? It's when you talk to God about the conflict that you're having. That's the one person you can go to and talk to them about this conflict against someone else before you actually go to that person. Go to God. As a, ma- as a matter of fact, this is a necessary step. If you've been hurt, if you've been wronged, if you've been offended, whatever the case is, I, I'm telling you, handle it quickly. But before you handle it quickly, go to God. Go to God and say, God, how is it that I need to handle this? Pray about the conflict that you're having before you address it with that other person. But when you pray, pray humbly, please. Don't go, God, I am so upset right now. That, that this has to happen. This gotta, you got to put her on check, God. No, go to God humbly. And you want to know how you do that? Here, here, here. Go to God. This is the way you check your prayers when you're in your topic of conflict. You go before God and you say, Lord, I come before you, however it is that you start your introductory prayers, and say, God, first thing I want you to do is can you show me if there's anything wrong that I have done? Boom. You've just humbled yourself. God, is there anything that I did wrong to cause this argument? That has gotten me a long way in my marriage. I did not practice this in the beginning of my marriage. But after 18 years, you kind of start learning some things if you pay attention. But one thing that I've started doing at a certain point, and it it was probably maybe midway point or a little bit later, when I would get in an argument, before I started saying, man, my wife is crazy, man, why is she upset? Why? All this type of stuff. Whenever we're in an argument, the first thing that I say is, what have I done wrong? Is there anything that I did to contribute to this? Because when you ask yourself those questions, when you go before God and you say, God, is there anything that I have done wrong that, uh, that, that has caused me to be in this conflict? I believe that God will begin to show you. Or as a husband or a wife, if you apply this in your marriage or in anybody, in any relationship, is there something that I did wrong? What it does is, is instead of you going full-headed like a bull towards, you know, the, those matadors, what, what, what's happening is you're taking a step backwards and you're being able to now see the whole picture. No longer are you looking at that point in which you got offended, but you're looking at what happened before. Is there something that I did to contribute to this? Because in the perfect world, we're perfect. They're wrong. Right? And a lot of times, that's how conflicts continue to fester. Because I'm right. 
she's wrong. I'm right. He's wrong. So when he realizes that he's wrong, let him or her come to me, and then we'll fix it. Ask God to show you where you're wrong. Ask for wisdom to help you identify the parts of the conflict that maybe you own. Because we're, we're human. We're not perfect. We mess up. We make mistakes. And then start working on these things before you talk to the person. I know a marriage counselor who always applied what he called the 10% rule. That's not the tithing rule, no. The 10% rule, whenever couples would come to him for counseling, what he would do is he would try to get each uh, spouse to take responsibility for at least 10% each of the problem in which was the reason that they came to see the counselor. And most reasonable people, they're going to be willing to own at least 10%, right? Because they're going to say, okay, 10%, all right, I'll own, I'll own up to 10%. So the counselor would tell each spouse to work on their 10% before they came back on that next session. And the logic behind this was that the next time that couple would come to the counselor, the problem would be 20% solved. So in a nutshell, talk to God about the other person before you talk to the other person. Talk to the other person before you talk to others about that other person. You guys following me? I want to stop really quickly to address an obvious question related to these three principles before we get to the fourth one. But what if? What if? Because there's always that what if or that but what if you can't get to the other person before the sun goes down? What if the sun has gone down on your anger lots and lots of times since you first became angry? Or what if that person that you're harboring that anger against is dead? There are some things that, or some conflicts that it seems like it's impossible to solve. And if it's impossible to solve because if someone's dead, they're dead dead. They're not going to come back just to, okay, make things right and go back. If you've been hanging on to anger for years and years and years, then I want you to do this. Okay, this is very, very, very important. I want you to do this. I want you to say to yourself, I am canceling the debt this person owes me. If there's nothing else that can happen anymore, if you can't go physically and be with that person, then you need to say to yourself, I am canceling the debt this person owes me. This doesn't mean that the other person really and truly did not do any wrong to you. No, absolutely not. Or that you don't deserve an apology because, yes, you probably do. But it is simply saying that apology that I am owed, I am canceling the debt. There's some of us that have so much debt that we wish a credit card company would come to us and tell us that. But you have the power within you that if you can no longer go and address someone because of whatever the circumstance is, you have the power to release. You got to release it. I am no longer obligating this person to an apology because now you're no longer waiting for something. It's been done. It's been sealed. It's been delivered. You're moving forward. Amen? 
The last and final principle that we learn from Jesus on how we can resolve conflicts, okay, is do it immediately, right? Do it really quickly. Do it face-to-face. Do it one-on-one. And the last thing that we learn from Jesus is get help. Get help. Matthew chapter 18, verse 16 through 17. Let's read that. It says, but if, if they will not listen, because how many of us know that not everybody wants to listen? But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Verse 17, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. In other words, if you've gone through all of these different avenues of trying to get this conflict resolved, but this person just ain't having it, even though you've done everything biblically that it says to do, then at that point, really what it's saying, treat them as a tax collector or pagan, it just really has nothing to do with them. It has nothing else to do with them because you have done what you had to do. But don't say you're done if these steps haven't been taken care of yet. Here, Jesus lays out a biblical system for escalation. What happens when you and that person that you are in conflict can't resolve things? Because sometimes, sometimes you say, I'm going to have this conversation with this person. We're going to resolve this conflict. And you, you just got bigger conflicts. You go, all right, let's have a talk. Let's have a talk. Let's have a conversation. I'd like to, you know, air some things out. And all of a sudden, the dirty laundry has been thrown out, and now it's a firehouse. I mean, now there's yelling, there's arguing, there's all this type of stuff. And you can't do that one-on-one no more. Now you need other people to help intervene. And when you still can't resolve those things, it says, you take it to church. You take it to church. And I would encourage you this. If there's a conflict that you have with someone, first step, if you're going to bring it to church, is go to maybe one or two trusted mutual friends that maybe are here in the church that you know are people that are godly people, people that love God, people that, 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 that you know are going to be fair and listen to what needs to be said. And allow them just to simply be there to help mediate the conflict. Sometimes we just need a mediator because me against you, I'm wrong, you're right. We need someone in there to kind of bring some logic behind. Now, if that doesn't work, what we see in the passage is if there's still no resolution, then, then there's next levels you can go to. At that point, now you can say, hey, hey, you know what? You know, bring it up to the elder team and bring it up to me, and we can help try to, 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 to help resolve that conflict as best as we can. Maybe it's something that even in the church is difficult to do, so you're going to go and you're going to go outside and get some help. At the end of the day, it's get help. Get help one way or another to try to resolve this. Listen, it is difficult. It's not easy. It's going to take you having to to stand up and really depend on the power of the Holy Spirit sometimes to stand up and to address these issues. It's not easy to go to someone and say, hey, I've been offended by you. It's easy to go and say, hey, hi, how you doing? And talk about all these other cool things. But when you got to say, hey, you've hurt me, that's not easy. But it is so freeing. If we take these principles that Jesus has taught us and we try to do it, and you pray to God, God, give me the strength to do it, we can start to resolve these conflicts. I don't know about you, but I don't got no space for conflict in my life. I got too many issues. 
I got too many worries. I got too many stress factors to start having to now deal with, with conflict against someone. No. But things are going to happen. Life is going to happen. As long as you are in communication with human beings, human beings are imperfect, and there's going to be things that are going to bring conflict upon our lives. When it happens, not if, but when it happens, apply these principles that Jesus shows us and knock them out. Knock them out right away. Amen? I'm convinced that there are conflicts in families. I'm convinced. I'm, I'm, com- I'm convinced that there's conflicts in, in congregations just like this that could be resolved if we're just willing to take these steps. But let's, just like I started, let, let, let's review them together. How are we going to deal with conflict? Quickly, face-to-face, one-on-one, and we're going to get help. And I'd like you to think through any relationships right now. Think through them. Any relationships right now that have gone sideways in your life. This is the application part of this sermon. Think of any relationships right now that you said, man, I I had a good relationship with this person. Anything, anything that now all of a sudden is gone the other way. And I want you to remember the priority that Jesus put on resolution to this. It may be that resolving this conflict is even more important than coming back to worship service next week. Listen to that. Resolving the issue with whoever that person is that you just thought about right now, it might be more important for you to resolve that issue with that person this week than coming to church next Sunday. So I'm going to assume that if you aren't here next week, and I, I just made a photo, you know, I took a picture with my mind. If I don't see you here next week, it's going to be, I'm going to assume that it's because you're off resolving conflict. And if you can't get that resolved, keep coming. You know, I shared this with my daughter this morning. She heard me practicing my, my ending here. And she says, Dad, what if no one comes to church next Sunday? <laughs> I said, well, that will be a good thing. The good thing will be, well, you know, the, the, the bad thing is that there will be a lot of people dealing with conflict, you know, who are dealing with conflict. The good thing is I will be so proud as a pastor because that means they took what I preached and they have applied it to their life. And she goes, thanks. <laughs> I'm going to ask that you all stand to your feet. Right there where you're at, I've given you the application. Is this, is there someone in your mind that you need to have a conversation with? Do it. Can you, can, can you do that? Can you do that? Can you say, you know what? I'm going to work on this. If you want to get technical, I got to work on this tonight. I got a lot of, some of us say, man, Pastor, I can't, get it, I can't get in touch with all these people by tonight. Before you do that, well, reach out to God. As a matter of fact, I would like to help you. I would like to lead you through that right now. With every head bowed, I want to pray for those people that you have in your minds right now. I want to help you pray for those conversations that you know you need to have. And I'm going to pray that God will be with you guys, that God will guide you through that, that God will give you the strength, the discernment, the wisdom on how to navigate those conversations so that, like me, you can be free. Father God, I come before you. Lord, and I thank you for your church. I thank you this morning for allowing us this wonderful time here together. 
Lord, I thank you for your word because it is so applicable to what we deal with. Lord, the, the reality is so many of us have conflicts. So many of us have things in our heart that have not, that, that, that really have gone without being resolved, Lord. And, but as, if we are your children, if we say we love you, if we say we want to follow your ways and we want to be in your will, Lord, you instruct us to handle things like this. And Lord, I pray right now, I pray right now that if there is someone listening to us online or even here in the service here today that has some unresolved issues or conflict and they refuse God to deal with it, I pray, Lord, that every time they worship you, every time that they pray, God, that you would remind them of that person. And that that would be a reminder, Lord, that they need to make some things right. But I pray for those, Lord, that are willing to right now to, to follow your word. It's not easy. It's hard. It can be scary. We can begin to get anxiety over having these conversations. But Jesus, you showed us how to deal with that anxiety too. Go before you, give you our what's bothering us, Lord, and ask that your will would be done. And so, Lord, I pray that right now for your church, for all the people that have popped up in our minds today of some things, that maybe, maybe some conversations that we need to have, God, I pray, Lord, that, that, that you would give your church the strength, that you would give them the encouragement that they need, that you would give them the power of your Holy Spirit to have these conversations, that they would get into them open-minded, Father God, with the number one uh, reason for the conversations, Father God, is just to release these conflicts, Lord Jesus Christ, to you and to be freed, Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. We praise you, God. We want to honor you, Father God, and so help us do that in this area here today. Church, right now I give you this blessing. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you all. May the Lord be gracious unto you, and may the Lord give you peace. In Jesus' holy, mighty, powerful name, the church of God says amen. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you, church. You are dismissed. Have a great uh, weekend. Have a great Memorial Day tomorrow as we honor those who gave their lives uh, for this country. And also, men, if you want to go bowling, see Julian in, in the foyer, and he'll get you all set up. Have a great week.